All right, welcome back, guys, to part two of our all-star voting episode. We're going to talk about our Western Conference. And just like last time, we're going to start in the backcourt, work our way to the front court. And just like last time, I think our first selection will be pretty easy here. Ronan, I, I think I know who you're going to say, and I think I know who everyone's going to say. Uh, I think it's, uh, well, actually, you know, this could be different. I, I went Steph, whoa, whoa, Steph whoa. in my first one now. Okay. <laughs> there was no question that you, you got me worried there for a second. All right. It was like, let's, let's have, let's have a smooth start to this. It is obviously Steph Curry. You know, he's, he may, maybe he's not as comfortable as he once was in a few months ago in the MVP race, but he is certainly still comfortable in the starting position in the all-star game. Um, and I think where a conversation gets interesting is in this second spot. When you look at the Western conference and the guards that are doing work out there, it's easy right now. Recency bias is one hell of a drug and John Morant is one hell of a drug, but it's a lot tighter than you might think. So I think that's where the conversation kicks off is who is deserving of that second starting spot. Yeah. More rant. I think it's easy for me. Jazz, 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 the guy, this, this is a, he's done so much to, to grow this year, he's he's done so much to add to the success of this Memphis team. They're thirty-one and sixteen at the, at the moment. Let's not let's not forget that they've got the third mm-hmm. best record in the NBA, and Ja has been at the heart of that. Although they've 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 shown that they're uh, they're pretty good without him. And that spell that he was off the, uh, on the sidelines, they went on a pretty good run anyway. But he's still their main man. The guy is just a phenomenon. I've kind of. Looked, uh, I've kind of rounded up for his stats, but he's at about 25, 6, and 7. <laughs> he's shooting 49% from the field, 36% from three. They're both career highs for him. Mm-hmm. And the shooting was a big thing for him coming into this year. That was something that he needed to improve on. And he has gone right ahead and done that. And it's in the clutch moment as well where he's uh, where he's stepping up. I looked into the, the clutch scoring leaders so far this season and when we talk clutch time, it means kind of the the last five minutes of a game where a team is leading or trading by five points or fewer. That's in the fourth quarter overtime. I actually didn't know that myself. I was always kind of wondering, do you just call clutch whenever you feel like calling clutch? <laughs> or is there actually something set for clutch time? Now, now I know, and uh, that's that's for anyone else who, who didn't know. But This is a learning podcast. Yeah, he is he's fifth uh, overall in clutch scoring. He's got 69 uh, clutch points in 16 games shooting a fairly efficient clip in that. And the most impressive thing for me is the fact that he's over 70% of those clutch points have come in the paint. Yeah. And that, like that's his, that's clearly his go-to move and, and defenses know that. And when you're watching tape before games of Jam Rand, you know that he likes to get into the paint, but that doesn't mean you can, you're able to stop him. And that's just, the, that's just a highlight of that. Uh, the fact that he's for a guy, his size, and in clutch moments, he's scoring over 70% in the paint. It's just outrageous. And for me, it's those sort of things that just make him absolutely clear. This is the year that he deserves to be a starter in the All-Star game. This is his breakout year, and it needs to be honored with a, a starting place in the All-Star game. Yeah, 70% of the paint. Like, that's that's a little wrinkle to uh, understanding his game that – it's insane. Like your favorite center out there probably doesn't score 70% of the paint. That's, that's like, that's, that's 
unreal for a 6'3 guard. And just if you haven't watched him enough, you're missing out. Like the reason he's shooting 70% in the paint is he does everything. I mean, he'll fly at the rim and he'll just out jump you, jump for longer than you. Hold, he has Euro steps. He has the spin. His footwork is unreal. Like he, you never know what he's going to do when he gets in the paint. And sometimes he doesn't know. He, he had, he had this 360 layup against the Bulls uh, the other night. And when asked about it, he's like, yeah, I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> like it's, it's just this uncanny ability for him. Um, but I think, fight, though? What, do you, what, do you, what do you want to fight? That's the real question. I think we all want to know. Ja, yeah. He's just not a fighter. No, nobody in the NBA is a fighter. Nobody's an NBA is a fighter. Everyone needs to stop. Um, and I, I, I want to say that a lot, even though I said recency bias, it's, it's the fact that you combine the team's success with, with him being there and adding to it. Because there's that narrative, of course, that the Grizzlies are going on this terrific run without him. Now everyone's like, oh, do they need Ja? Hell yeah, they need Ja. They, they don't need him to be a playoff contender because they're that without him, apparently. But they need him to be a championship contender. And that's exactly where they've brought themselves to. They brought themselves to a, you know, a, a solid potential, you know, playoff team from the six seed, seven seed. They, they are now, and I think firmly, in that top four of the West because of John Morant and because of his historically good year from the point guard position. And... I got to give it to him because of, because of that context too. Um, and let, let's talk about the next few. This is tough too. You got Mitchell, you got Booker, you got Doncic. Man, he, he should, he, you thought he would have been uh, the second starter, right? I mean, if we had to pick, if we had to pick October 1st, October 31st, I would have said Doncic and Curry yeah. easily. Um, but it's, it's not that easy. So I, Maybe I don't know if it's that easy to kind of grade these guys on a certain gradient. Like, who's the next person up after Curry and Morant for you? Yeah, uh, I, I, I got De- I got Devin Booker. Uh, I think Interesting. while he's not had the best year of his career, and he's he actually has kind of struggled at times. He's still the top scorer on the best team in, in the in the NBA right now. He's shooting above 40% from three, which is a career high. He's averaging around 25, 5, and 4. And I think the last three games he's really put up and, and shown. He's kind of putting himself in that shop window, getting trying to get more votes with the big performances. And he's shown the real Devin Booker in those games. I think... Uh, 48, 5, and 6, uh, 55% from the field, 39% from 3. And a 34 and 4 game, he's shooting 61% from the field. And a 35, 4, and 3 game where he's shooting 46% from, from 3. The guy is always capable of going off at any moment. And while he is not the you, – you almost wouldn't say that he's the leader of this Suns team, but what he is adding to it and the fact that he is – the leading scorer of the best te- team with the best record in, in the NBA right now. I think you kind of have to get, get, get him in in that first slot. Okay. Question. You say best player on best team. I, I don't necessarily know what that means in terms of best team, but 
Oh, and I'm saying best team. I mean the best best record. That's that's what I mean. There. Best record. Okay. So but my question becomes because this is what I ask myself is. You know, when I look at Booker, I say the exact same thing. He's a leading scorer and he's refined his game on what is the best team in the NBA. I mean, it, and you could you could start to be like, well, what about the Warriors? What about something team? Like they're top three at any given moment, any given moment in the season. So why not Mitchell? The age of 25, who's who's a better three-point shooter? Right now it's Booker, who's who's a better mid-range scorer. Right now it's Mitchell. Better rebounder, Booker. Better playmaker in terms of assists, Mitchell. More points per game, Mitchell. Assist percentage, and Mitchell. True shooting, barely Mitchell. I won't really count that. Player efficiency, barely Mitchell. Box plus minus, barely Mitchell. But it's tight. It's really tight. Um, and when you say best, best team, like it's also tight. Like if we're just talking offense purely, like the, the jazz are, you know, still the best offensive team by, you know, actually quite a lot. Um, their, their offensive rating right now, they're sitting at 116 while the Suns are sitting at 112 and four for reference that that's, that's a pretty, pretty big divide. But I, I had a tough time between both of them. And I feel like the reason I have to go with Mitchell when, when I'm talking with both of them is, is just the fact that Mitchell doesn't have a Chris Paul. He has a Chris, he has a Mike Conley and he has a Rudy Gobert. Like Rudy Gobert is good. We'll get into that. And I, I love Rudy Gobert conversations. They're always very controversial, but when I, when I think about what load Mitchell has to take on, it's, it's a lot more than what Booker has to right now. And that that's, you know, it's that's just the product of the team situation they're in, but I, I'm really, I'm really grasping at straws when I'm trying to break those two down. And I think that made it a lot easier for me to pick Doncic as the, like the next guy up. Um, but why, why, why wasn't he there for you? Uh, Doncic, I think, unfortunately he is, He's regressed this year. Uh, he, he's still having an outrageous year, so it feels kind of crazy to say that mm-hmm. he almost looks like he's regressed. He's still averaging, I think, around 25, just under nine boards, just under nine assists. When you think of those sort of numbers, you think this guy is a, a elite point guard, which he still is, but he's missed 14 games. He just doesn't feel like the the same guy that he was last year and the year before and that's what's really disappointing like I'm really angry that Luka Doncic was not a search for a starting position in in the all-star game but since he's returned from his spell out he was out for 10 straight games Dallas are on a a hell of a run they're on a 9-1 run since then with him he's averaging 24 points 11 boards 12 assists and he's starting to to get closer to looking like the guy that we thought he was going to be com- coming into this year. Hopefully that continues, but the amount of time missed and just the uh, the unfortunate regression uh, in his in his play has 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 dropped him down to being a reserve. Whew. You dropped him to a reserve. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who's your so who's did. Just, just come out with it then. Who, who is your uh, your two backups for the the guard position here? 
What have I got? So I've got Booker, Booker, and Doncic as my my backcourt, my backcourt. Backup. Okay, so he's yeah. he didn't go all the way into your reserves, but he's he's still in the backup. Yeah. Um, and, and for reference, everyone listening. So there's an all star format. You have five starters, two guards, three forward centers, and then the backups. It's the same thing, and then you got two reserves. That that's flexible in terms of that's determined more by player and coaching votes, I believe. Um, but I, for, for me, I, for me, it just comes down to, you know, role. The, the Mavs are going to live and die. And right now they're living. They, you, you said nine of are in total, they're 11 of the last 13. Um, and just pure production. I, and when I conflate that with, with Jason Tatum, the difference is that, you know, Luca's doing it across the board in terms of playmaking, rebounding, and scoring and the efficiency at least from from the mid-range and at least from in the paint is still good three three point percentage has definitely gone down and he's shooting 30 percent from three this year um that's tough maybe so you know you have a point but maybe he doesn't deserve to be in the backup maybe he's even a reserve just based on how his numbers have gone down but on it, it, this is kind of like one of those like on on their worst day they are better than someone's best day and, and it feels like on in a season where Luca's adjusting to a new play style you know it's it's really been just Luca doing whatever the hell he wants while Rick Carlisle figures everything out um and then now yeah now it's Jason Kidd and I'll, I'll give Jason Kidd credit actually I mean I, I thought things would be a lot worse this season and I think you know a lot of things have changed not necessarily for the worse I think he's trying to form a team that's a little more cohesive and not just Luca just doing Luca. Um, but I, I just can't ignore how productive he is across the board and compare that with Mitchell and Booker and say, yeah, that's, that's the guy, but we, we we're missing a couple other guys here too. Let, let's maybe before we make any final decisions, do you have anyone else? Cause I, I got a couple other guys yeah, here too, I mean, that should like- be considered. I'll, I'll, I'll lay right out when I when I actually thought of who I wanted the top reserves to be. I had four guards. Look, looking at that, that mm-hmm. I had, yeah, I had Booker and Doncic, and then I had the two guys that I had to put into to next to last and last man in, and that was Chris Paul and, and Donovan Mitchell. It, it was tough to leave Don, put Doncic in ahead of Mitchell, and I guess the original debate we had between Booker and Mitchell, I think that was the the main debate. I didn't think about. Mitchell enough when then when when it came to uh to Doncic, but in terms of Chris Paul, I mean, he I think leads the league uh, tied with Harden in terms of assists per game. Uh, he still got the two steals. He's leading. Uh, he, he's a leader for this defense, and he just makes that team tick. He he just does everything everything that has led to the Suns being a thirty four and nine team has come from Chris Paul and. Uh, the, the facilitation, everything, when you watch him and the control he has, especially down the stretching games, it's just so, so impressive. And then when you look at Mitchell, I think we, we've already talked enough about him. Uh, you, you made all the right points, same same ones that I have here. He's doing, doing that little bit of everything, and he's doing it without having a, a Chris Paul beside him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough because just to put numbers – to perspective, um, in terms of playmaking, he's leading the league in total assists, and he leads all guards by a mile in the assist ratio. 
um, 40.6. At 38, he's still playing defense, like you said, in his prime. It, leading the league in total steals, tied for second in steals per game. He's second amongst guards in defensive rating. He's third overall in defensive win shares. And the Suns, they show it. They're currently the second best defense in the league. So defensive, like, like this, a, a lot of his all-star berth is relying upon your perspective of how good he is on defense and his impact on the Suns offense, which is both of which are palpable. Um, do you discredit him for his worst three-point shooting since his rookie year? Maybe, maybe not. Um, and for that. <laughs> yeah, but Booker, uh, I don't know if you mentioned, but having a career from three, shooting 40% from three, that's um, great for him, for, for a guy who hasn't, who hasn't put it together yet. Um, but the, the last guy that, that's really throwing a monkey wrench in here is DeJounte Murray. And I don't know if he's on your, your first one out type of deal, but he's turned into a two-way monster. He's the only player in the league right now averaging over 15 points, eight assists, eight rebounds, two steals. He's in a league of his own in terms of a two-way producer. He's averaging 19.2 points, two steals, nine assists, 8.4 rebounds. His shooting still has to come along, but you talked about Jaws' ability in the paint. He's matching him right there. He's 70% scoring in the painted area and big reason why memphis and san antonio are both respectively one and two points in the paint their lead guards are really good at getting in there and Dejounte defense he leads the league in deflections steals per game and he's third in defensive win shares amongst the guards offensively he's fifth in assist percentage fourth in assist per game and he's doing all this while shooting a poor 33 percent from three and the efficiency will come but you know, he doesn't crack the top 20 in usage. That's what blows my mind. He's not a guy who's just commanding touches, commanding the ball, but he's such an elite playmaker and he's top 10 percentile in the player efficiency rate. Like he's doing this all like a veteran. And the Spurs, I mean, they're middle of the pack this year. They obviously have a long way to go in terms of some of their guys you know, turning things around, but Murray has now jumped into a category of a legitimately elite player, elite two-way player. And from a production standpoint alone, if I ignore team success and I compare these two players in a, in a vacuum, I'm, it, it's, it's dumb of me to, to think that I would pick DeJounte, but I'm really hard-pressed to not find a way to get him in here because of how good he's played. Um, it, it, it seems like this is going to be a year where he's, he's going to be a player in a small market that doesn't get any noise, any awards. Um, but it, it, that's part of my motivation too, for finding a way to get him in here, but uh, it's, it's tough because CP three, I mean, there's a reason why the Suns are contenders and he's a big part of that. You can't ignore that. So you're probably right. You're probably right. That's, that's the way, that's the way to go with it. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, team success and, uh, contributing to winning that, that, that does have to come into, come into the thinking. I, I he's one of my, one of my first outs is DeJounte Murray, but, like you said, the guy's having a career year, 19.2 points, 8.4 boards, 8.9 assists and two steals. Like it's a huge jump for him. And it's just a shame that the Spurs don't have a good enough team around him to at least be kind of more in contention, even just for the playing game. They're still, they're still pretty, pretty far off. Even getting to that, they're at 17 and 28 sitting 12th, 12th in the, uh, in the Western conference. 
And you just hope it's a sign of things to come. I mean, Murray's been showing this all year, and if he can continue this, and this is just a sign of where his career is going to take off, that's huge for, for for the Spurs, and it's something they could sell other players on as well. His his ability, yeah. and that that can be something that that that's is the first stepping stone to get get the Spurs back to being a contending team. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I I think that's that that makes a lot of sense. That he's he's not going to be there. He's not going to get the award. But man, I I, I hope he'll he'll get some sort of. I, I don't know if anyone if he could get in on some injury thing or something like that. Um, I don't know if they consider position. I'm I'm trying to remember uh, if and this will depend on our front court discussion, which will be interesting in a second here. But um, I think that rounds it out. Curry is obvious. Morant is a little less obvious, but he's definitely there. So it goes Curry, Morant, and. For me, it went, uh, it went Doncic, Mitchell, then Chris Paul, and Booker, and the reserves. They'll, they'll both take up those two extra reserve spots. Yeah, and uh, well, we were fairly fairly similar. I, I went Booker, Doncic, and then then Chris Paul, Chris Paul, and Mitchell as the as an active reserve. So we're we're, we're again pretty much pretty similar. I think pretty much there. Pretty much there. Pretty I'll dominant uh, guards. The guards. There's just so many good guards in the in the league today, and uh, we talked about it in the East, and it's uh, very much the same in the West. Yeah, um, and a lot of people. Uh, last guy, uh, actually, I forgot to mention is who. I don't know if we'll get there eventually, but Shea Gilgis Alexander, 23 years old. I mean, he's he's already making noise to be considered. Uh, recently voted by GMs the eighth most desired young player. Interesting amongst all the players we have. That's that's pretty high praise. 22 and a half points, 5.3 assists, 4.8 rebounds, one steal. There's obviously the Thunder have not even close to enough success to consider him. But any of the wins they have, I mean, that's, that's you know, he's to blame for that. Um, I'll throw this out. He's ninth in clutch scoring efficiency. Yeah. And LA Clippers and LA Lakers will definitely know that intimately. But uh, that that's another guy. We'll we'll be seeing we'll be seeing Shea one day. We'll be seeing Murray one day. But today is not that day. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, not Shea. Shea's my guy in, in terms of the West. Is a guy that I wish I wish I could I could make a case for getting in there, getting in this year because he's what he's done on, on such a such a bad team. I mean, he's got he alone is nine thirty point games. I mean, you mentioned the clutch scoring and the stats he's putting up. He's not doing it. At an efficient mark, which is not surprising because he's kind of having to do it all on his lonesome in, in, in large uh, for large portions. Uh, but yeah, he he's a guy I wish I wish I could make a case for, but this is just not his year. But it's a, it's a good it's a good stepping stone for him and a good place to drive on from from here. Yeah, let's kick off the front court. I'll, I'll let you start us off. We'll talk about your. I know well, you want to talk two, about your favorite. I think our first two are are pretty. Uh, Pretty obvious here as well. Um, we got Jokic, Jokic, and LeBron James. I think they're they're going to be going to be the two guys there. I think we both have the same uh, the same guy after those two. But I think uh, others uh, listening and uh, other fans might might not think the same. Uh, I got I got go I got Gobert in there. Yes, sir. And let me backtrack for one second. Make it very clear that Jokic got my vote before LeBron James even though they are both there. But when, now that we cleared that up, Rudy Gobert absolutely should be a third starter. And uh, let's, let's put it in this perspective, because I think the strongest argument that was to be had against him 
this year, I, I think it was Carl Anthony Towns. Would you agree? I, I think yeah. that was the, yeah. that was the other legitimate option there. Um, but to break this down, if you just look at how unbelievable Carl Anthony Towns has been um, with really for years, I mean, this isn't just some random year of him playing. Like he is always so consistently unbelievably good offensively. He's this year, 24 points per game, 3.7 assists, 9.2 rebounds in the assist category. I thought he'd be a lot better under Chris Finch's uh, directive, but hasn't shown up yet. Shoot still. He's still that 40, 40% three point shooter on volume. I mean, as a, as a big with, with his mobility and his shooting, it's, it's unbelievable to see every year and fun little stat here. Carl Anthony Towns is shooting 50% on step back three. So let's just throw that out there as, as I'm praising him, but yeah, it's easy to look at all that and be like, wow, this is such a sexy offensive player who does all these insane things that seven footers shouldn't do. And Gobert is this like boring guy who just gets rebounds and sets a ton of screens and defends the paint, blah, blah, blah. There's just no question Gobert is the more impactful player right now, last year, year before that, and uh, foreseeably for the rest of their careers, unless Cat turns things around defensively. Because on defense, there's zero question Gobert's a better player. And the three time defensive player of the year probably will win again this year, leading their lead in leading the league in rebounds second in blocks um but when you start to look offensively too gobert like people hate this but it's true it, it is what it is his the way he screens for this team is indispensable it for his every game 6.6 screens a game is leading to 16.2 points per game that leads the league by a mile and a league best shooting 71.3 percent at the rim 16 points per game when you just compare that 24 out of context yeah you're gonna think cat's the better player you got to dig deeper you got to watch these games and you got to see that team success and overall impact goes to gobert just easily daz went one and four without him mm-hmm. when he was out this year with rudy utah's utah's defensive rating goes from dead last 122.8 to fourth in the league at 108.4 and on the other end, he's a near plus six in offensive rating. And for reference this year, LeBron is a plus 6.6. On offense, Rudy Gobert has the same impact in offensive rating that LeBron has on the Lakers, who I'll say again for the record, suck. <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns is an offensive animal, and he's only a plus 3.6 on the offensive end, and he's only a plus 1.6 in terms of defensive rating. When you just talk impact, when you talk what they do on the court, the numbers here tell the full story of what you see is how good the jazz are because of Gobert. It's not pretty, but he does it so well. He does it so often. He does it so consistently that it's why he's an all-star starter. Yeah. I think uh, we, you said, you said it all there. I think that run when he was in the health and safety protocols, I think that should just be the sign to everyone. Why Gobert is an all-star, why he is an all-star starter. Like, you you got obviously made all the points there just to dumb it down for him and just look at it that he is the focal point of the team the role threat the screens everything the rim protection everything he provides he is the key to the success of the utah jazz you know yeah like you said donovan mitchell mike conley uh, uh, the impact that clarkson has they're kind of the the sexier players that, that that the crowds come to watch but in order for this team to have success 
they need Rudy Gobert and like those losses weren't just to any uh, a couple of the big teams. Like they lost all those games by double digits. They lost by twelve to the Pacers. They lost by ten to the Pistons. Like those, yeah, yeah, those are losses yeah. you do not expect. Yeah, the Utah Jazz to have, and the reason why is because there was there was no really go bear. So anyone who is not having him in there in that in that the best three front court players in the West, uh, you got you got to think twice about that one. Yeah. Um. So I, I think. Everything I said about Cat makes that my obvious pick for him as the first guy off the bench. He's my first pick as a backup. Yeah. Um, and where, where, where do we go from there? Who, who's next up? Well, just, just, to, just to quickly say on Cat, the one thing that I like is that he's still, he's still the lead guy in this team. He's still putting up the same numbers that he ha- always has done during his NBA career. But it's finally starting to impact on winning that little bit more. Mm-hmm. He's obviously got a better team around him, but he's still being the guy, which is which is uh, really great to see. And you hope that that success can continue. And you think with Cat, um, I mean, you think that he's got more 34 games than the likes of Lillard, Harden, Beal, and Davis. You, you were told that before the start of the season. You would have been like... I, w- I would have believed you. Yeah, I would yeah. believe you. Yeah, yeah. just the fact that like you wouldn't have expected the the down the downside, especially the likes of Lillard and, and Davis that uh, that those guys have had. But it, it's great that's yeah. finally impact winning. I think they're only two wins away now from from exceeding their win total from last year, which it's is insane. Just, it's just insane to think of. Uh, they're kind of like a, a low key version of of what Cleveland are, are doing this year. Is is the Minnesota Timberwolves who currently. Uh, sits seventh in the in the Western Conference, but yeah, I'm the same as you. He he he's the first pick, and then I gone for Draymond Green next. Yes, are we are we agreeing? Did we just become best friends? <laughs> Dude, okay. I, I I didn't know if if you if you would uh go for Green, um, and I I'm 100 there for him. I mean, it, 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 you, you take it away. Tell, tell me what strikes you the most about him uh, when you got your more, like I've like been saying, your sexier players and your Brandon Ingrams, your, your Aitons, maybe. Maybe there's a Wiggins guy out there. Maybe there's a still Anthony Davis guy out there. But amongst all these guys who are, are scoring more, well, what, what makes Draymond Green the obvious pick here? Uh, again, he's not he's not the sexy pick, but he is just so important to the Golden State Warriors. He is so key to the success that they've had. His elite defense, it's not it's something that you almost you almost forget about how good he is on the defensive end. And without him there, the Warriors are are not a thirty two and twelve team. It's just as simple. It's it's simple as that. And then on the offensive end, he just know, he just know like the the Warriors just know their role so well. He's averaging seven point four assists, and he 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 has that that impact and the little things that he does that you that you don't notice. That's what I love about Draymond Green. It's all it's all the little things. It's nothing nothing too major, nothing too sexy, but the little things that make the Warriors the Warriors. Draymond Green is at the heart of all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um... You know my numbers, guy. I, I like my numbers. When you filter for games and minutes played, um, so the guys are really out there contributing, Draymond Green has the 
best assist ratio in the entire league, 42.6, which that means I'll, I'll translate that for, for the, for what is at any given moment, a top three offense in the league. That means that just under half of all his teammates field goals when he is on the court is assisted by him. That would only be higher if he's, if his minutes were off, he's only, he's only logging 29 minutes a game, but in terms of a playmaker, you see it too when Draymond Green is not on the floor. Um, when he was out um, with, with a calf injury, when he's struggling physically and he's not active, the Warriors definitely suffer. And the reason the Warriors are getting back to what they're doing is because of how much of a good passer he is, not, not just in with the ball in his hands, but the way that he's screening, like the same thing with Gobert, the way he's smartly screening for Curry, he's getting other guys open. He's, as a short roller, he's the best. Maybe he's, I'm no basketball historian, but it feels like he's the the best short roll passer of all time. Just He just knows where everyone's going to be in Steve Kerr's system. And it's funny to me that I think that he's really, it's scary how impactful he is on this team because you hope he stays healthy for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but he's been that invaluable to the best team in the league. I think um, you call it the Suns. I call it the Warriors. Maybe call it both. But for his position, defensively as well, you know, he's he's the motor. He's a quarterback. Watch a Warriors game, and just watch Draymond Green. Watch him point out all these mo- all these uh, actions. Watch him tell Gary Payton where to go. Like, oh, watch him call out plays before they even happen it's insane if you you just focus on that it's crazy in terms of iq maybe we're not voting people for iq but it leads to what uh his production is because he's individually he's the best uh defender in the league in terms of uh individual defensive rating best defensive box plus minus and you just see it on the court how he how he leads that that team i mean this team is full of dogs and he's the head dog and you got to give credit if this isn't just for Draymond, this is for the Warriors' defense this year. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he was top for defensive player of the year before he went down with this, uh, with this calf injury, and uh, and Giannis and the Bucks really, really, really started getting going. Which is credit to Draymond, uh, and he, it's it, it's for different things, but it's similar to what Curry the the way Curry, the impact that Curry has on, on this team. They kind of stuck through it while it was tough. They were a part of it while it was great. Stuck through it while it was tough. And now they're both showing their best selves again and it's and it's contributing to success again. So Draymond is a absolute shoe in there in, in terms of reserve. And my last one, this was a really tough pick for me. Uh it was just not not that it was too many good people that yeah, it's hard to pick I hated it, this it, part it, of it. it. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was more so, it was too many bad people to pick. Yeah, this, this is, I think this is this. my least fun. I, I'm glad I saved worse for life. I really saved the vegetables for last because I, I just happened to go East Guard and then work my way all the way to the end here. And I, I felt the exact same way. I'm just, I don't, I can't put out a name there that I'm like, oh yeah, that's my guy. I'm really excited to put him there. Like no, no, no one really speaks to me at this yeah, point. Yeah, I was, oh. It was tough. I, I went with 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 Anthony Davis. I, I didn't want to have him as a top reserve. I really wanted to have him as my last man in. But in terms of how he actually have to make the picks, he has to go in a, as a reserve. And I literally have written beside it, Anthony Davis, best of a bad group. I mean, he was still averaging <laughs> 23 and 10. Yeah. 
yeah. shooting uh, 52% from the field, which is, uh, I think, the highest he's had in, in a while. Uh, but that 18% from three and all of the, again, injuries, time missed. It's been a, it's been a big, it's been a disappointing year so far for, for AD and the Lakers, of course. I think, uh, I don't know what the Lakers are thinking. Uh, oh, when AD comes back, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be better. Mm, let, let's hope it is. I think uh, they need it to be, but. Ad, you've you really you've really scraped in here on my list. I, I didn't want to put you in, but I kind of had to. You're still you're still doing good enough, but you're meant to be the best player on this Lakers team, and you are absolutely not that. Yeah, with Davis, like 27 games puts him in the Jimmy Butler category in terms of games played, but his numbers definitely don't. But I think what I what I tried to focus myself into is. AD the center, maybe not AD the forward, because AD the center. I mean, I mean, looks great as as scoring twenty three points a game. His efficiency um, at the rim is still amazing. Ten rebounds, two point nine assists, two blocks a game. But as AD's being LeBron's co star forward, I mean, that's it doesn't fit. So it, it's tough. It's it's one of those things where, as a really good player. When you don't live up to that, do you, do you still get the the all star nod? Like one of those on your worst day, you're still better than a lot of these guys. Because and, and it sucks because I feel like I ultimately have to give him that spot. Because who else am I gonna pick? Like, uh, let's talk about a few other guys. So who 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 do you have? I'll, I'll say my, my three that I really thought about: um, Aiton, Ingram, <laughs> Wiggins. Yeah. Uh, did anyone come close? Did anyone come close? Uh, I think probably, probably Ingram. I think one thing I will I will definitely mention is one guy that I'm super disappointed I'm not mentioning here is Zion Williamson. Obviously, hard to say because it's it's been because of an injury, but I really thought this was going to be the breakthrough year for Zion, and he he'd be right up there when we're talking there. Uh, Talking all stars and stuff like that, but now I can't even I can't even include him here, which was a disappointment. But Ingram did get did get close to me. Uh, it's kind of a one man band in New Orleans. It's been a disappointing year, obviously with without uh, without Zion. They're sixteen and twenty eight, sitting thirteenth in the West. Ingram still putting up a decent mark around twenty three points, six boards, five assists, but. He's also shooting his worst percentage as a member of the Pelicans, which is disappointing. And there's there's little marks that he is not hitting, and you, you almost thought that he would do a bit better, just the fact that it's just him and there is no Zion to to kind of contend with. But unfortunately, he's not really lived up to to the mark that he is uh, that he is supposed to. But at the same time, he's kind of doing it all himself. And that, that's not what he's meant to do. And I think that's a disappointing part of that. Too. Like you said with Zion is that, you know, this team was supposed to build with Zion. It was exciting how many young assets they had and to see how they began to grow with each other. But yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is a huge disappointment. Um, but I, I thought about it, you know, he's had a lot of, a lot of great performances this year. I mean, he's the only reason that Pelicans are honestly, I mean, they're within a couple of games of the plan. That's how tight it is at the bottom of the West. Um, but you know, it's, it's the, the inefficiency, which is understandable. I mean, this, this is a career high in usage this year. Um, he's never been asked to shoulder this much of the offensive load 
And it's definitely taken a dip on his percentages. I mean, he's only shooting 34% from three, only shooting 48% on twos. This is what he wanted um, though, right? <laughs> it is what he wanted, but I think what we saw evolve last year when, when he and Zion shared the court is, is him being a secondary creator. And that that's something he really got comfortable with in his spots. Um, but yeah, it wasn't compelling enough compared to Davis. And that was definitely uh, on his bad days, much better than Ingram in terms of impact, two-way impact. Um, Aiton, when I, when I started to get into Aiton's numbers, you know, I, I thought it would be kind of a Jared Allen thing, you know, based, based on the tape, Aiton's been much better defensively this year. He's been great. Um, but unfortunately what I found is wasn't so compelling. And the thing is that the Suns defense with or without him doesn't change much. I think this is a testament to how good Suns defense is and how good JaVale McGee is um, uh, as a backup, but he's a plus 0.6 on offense and defense, which is pretty much negligible. And I, I can't, I can't give him that credit of, Hey, the, the Suns defense interior defense is so good because of him. Well, they have great perimeter defense and he does a good job of being a, a rim protector, but it's not the same compelling case as, as Allen, as Gobert, who have such game breaking defense at times that, you know, you, you have to really give credence to that. So there's Aiton's had a fine year. The intangibles are are there. I mean, he's scoring more efficiently. He's 64% from the field. He's still grabbing rebounds at a higher rate. Um, but he doesn't, it doesn't speak all-star to me. No. You know? No. And he's missed 15 games as well. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like the 17 and 11, it just still feels like he's still underperforming in that sense. I mean, this is a former number one pick, let's not forget. And I know they've got they've got Chris Paul in since then. Booker's kind of taken off. They've they've got big uh, big performances out of out of some other guys that they probably didn't think they were going to get. You look at the likes of Mikael Bridges and, and a couple of a couple of other guys there, but you still kind of feel like Aiton is still not the product that Phoenix thought they were getting when they when they drafted him number one. Well, I'll, I'll I'll come to his defense here real quick. I mean, I, I hate the the tags that are put on number one picks all the time because yeah, you know right. it's tough to live up to it. But in reality, yeah, he's not the star he maybe yet, maybe ever. I don't know. But he and Bridges are definitely what feel like super role players. I'll give him the super. If there's a super role player team, I'd throw him on that immediately, right? I but mean, um, might, might speaking of number so one pick, much longer. <laughs> oh my god well yeah I, that's that is something that has escaped the news uh uh for a while now is that no extension we'll see but yeah is, is this a max contract guy that's a that's a con that's a story for another day he's not an all-star or is that the the benchmark then but um moving on speaking of number one picks former number one picks wiggins is picking up some traction and does the third best player on the best team in the league, a la the Atlanta Hawks, except this version is a lot more legit, does he deserve to be in the All-Star game? When I'm thinking, looking at Wiggins, uh, I feel in a similar sort of way to what I was thinking with, with Miles Bridges. It's super respect for for what he's doing this year averaging 18.5 points per game shooting 42% from 3 
He's a big contributor uh, on the defensive end for this Warriors team. He's really flourishing in, in the role that he's playing. And you know that he's probably going to improve getting more open shots, getting more open looks now that Clay is back in, and especially when Clay is playing full minutes as we get as we get closer to uh to playoff time. But when I look at Andrew Wiggins, I'm just thinking this guy he, he's been good, but he's just not an all-star. It doesn't feel like it, right? And that, that's a problem with all these guys. It's like I, I don't have like a guy I'm like, yeah, that's that's an all-star right there. That's an all-star right there. And I wish, I wish we've seen more from Jaron Jackson. That if, if you're gonna ask me that any any wishes out of guys this year, I definitely wish Jaron Jackson Jr. Maybe I mean Chris Stapps is the the hope of Chris Stapps as a perennial all star. That's just a a ghost of the past at this point. But I it, it's I, I want to give credit to Wiggins because. In terms of storyline, it just feels like he's really come around in a quiet way to just silence the haters. I mean, he's is his contract huge? Yep, they probably shouldn't be making that much. But for a guy who's been maligned as you know a bad defender, doesn't really care. He's not efficient offensively. He's become a good defender, a great defender, and contributes on the best defense in the league. Not to the same level of, of like a Draymond where we really are pushing to get him on here, but enough where he's a key component to it. And 18.5 points on a career high, 59.3 true shooting, 42.3% from three. That's that's really good. Like he's not getting credit for that. Um, maybe getting into the all-star game isn't the credit he deserves for it, but he definitely deserves credit for undoubtedly, you know, his best year of his career. Um, in a year where the the Warriors are reviving their championship realizations, um, I wouldn't be upset if he got his first All Star nod. I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be upset with it, and I, I definitely if wouldn't be. Defend- anything to go by, I mean, he, he was third, I think, in in, in, in <laughs> yeah. voting there after today. I think that was the part of the final uh, final polling they'll they'll do uh, before before it ends on Saturday. But he, he's he's right up there in terms of. Uh, the wider outlook from uh, from fans around the world. Yeah. And of course, these are beneficiaries of the fact that Paul George, Kawhi Leonard are injured. And different guys like um, that. Yeah. All across. You've got even not even mentioning guys like Dame and Paul George and obviously Kawhi is injured. George has gone down. But you think even George, you might have given him the nod despite the injury. But while he's still the averaging kind of the 25 points per game, he's, he's shooting way below in terms yeah. of uh, everything, really. Uh, everything. Effective, effective field goal, three-point uh, shots shots from the field. And this is, this is going back the last probably three or four years. Since last season, really, in Indiana, Paul George has just been a knockdown, a knockdown shooter, a knockdown scorer, and doing it so, so efficiently as well. And this year, he was not. He was not not really doing that uh, at all, and uh, Damian Lillard was another was another one. Uh, twenty four points per game is his lowest since the 2014-15 season, shooting forty percent from the field, thirty two percent from three, forty nine percent effective field goal percentage. Those are all career lows. So these are guys that are, are going to get votes, but they're they're showing that they're they're not really des- deserving of them because they were not performing to the level that we've come accustomed to them their names will get them votes but 
they're not really deserving this year. Yeah. Yeah. And wow, I, I think we did you did you steal my notes? So we got pretty close here. Maybe this year is a little bit more obvious on us because of the injuries, um, because of some of the more convincing um, performances. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let you read off our final. I, I, I'm full of grants here, our, our final. Uh, yeah, so we got, we got our starters. We got we each, we each got Stefan Ja in the backcourt. Then we got a frontcourt of uh, the Joker, LeBron James. And I'll just have to toot his horn because I didn't get to do it, you know. For first man in the 30, uh, 30K, 10K, 9K club, it's a exclusive club for kings only and uh, you gotta you gotta lay a bit of respect on that that the guy is an all-round animal and he's still doing it at 37 where he's had 30 points in 18 of his last 25 games doing all he can to lead this dysfunctional lakers squad and then of course we got gobert and i hope people are listening to what we said about rudy gobert this guy is so deserving of an all-star even though he is not uh, not the sexiest guy uh, in the world. In terms of the backcourt, I went Devin Booker and Luka Doncic as uh, my top reserves. You went Doncic and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And then I got CP3 and Mitchell in terms of uh, the next to last, the last man in. And you've got, you've got Booker. you got Booker and CP3 there, right? Yeah. 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 And then the, the front there. court was, I think we were we were fairly agreeing. Cat at the at the top spot. We think he's he's definitely deserving of it this year. He's had a great mm-hmm. year and finally the Timberwolves are succeeding with it. Then Draymond, another guy, not the sexiest guy in the world, but this guy, this guy is so key to one of, if not the best team in the league right now. And then we we both with with our chagrin, we 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 put uh, Anthony Davis uh, in there too. But yeah, we were we were pretty similar on the Western Conference, and I mean, no major surprises. I mean, the, it's another year. I I think we're, we're are we doing legit East versus West this year? No, like captains and then that sort of stuff. I'm pretty sure there's captains again. Okay, well, uh, all I'll say when you break it down, just as the East and West, the, the East has definitely uh, made a step up. The West has been the dominant conference the last few years. And it's kind of interesting when you look at it, like the West has got 16, six teams with a, a, who are 500 or above, while the East has 10. But then the West also has the four teams with the best records in the league. So it's still, it's still kind of interesting when you, when you look at it from that point of view. But it's a strong year, and hopefully we get a good all-star game without the likes of clay and Kyrie because they just don't belong at this moment they are all-stars their overall careers will tell you that but this year no no i i think the the coach and, and player media votes will yeah. correct that it'll correct it but and it, it's it's insane all the votes like everyone who is putting those votes out because it's it, it's worldwide too how many how much of a following that clay and Kyrie have around the world it's it's insane but um but yeah I, I think that the reason that this whole exercise was very fun is because we get to see really what where where the league is at and it's in such a healthy place that there are so many first-time all-star potential candidates 
And there's still so many of these veterans. You still have a near 40 year old LeBron. I would not be shocked if a couple of years we're talking about 40 year old LeBron holding on to an all-star spot. Who the hell knows? But um, a lot of these decisions weren't easy. Um, and it just goes to show just how much talent there is around the league. And um, every year we get a chance to look deeper into why some of these players are so great, what, what they do, because it's not all about what just shows up on the box score. Um, and we get to kind of appreciate that. So it's, it's cool to, to give guys like Rudy, guys like Draymond, uh, a little bit of shine and guys in the cusp like DeJounte and Shea. Hopefully soon we'll be talking about them more. Yeah, I think I, I think we cer- we certainly will, and you and you love to see that there's still those guys on the on the uh, on the perimeter of, of getting in, and you just hope that the their teams can start to have more success. They they continue on the spurts that they are on, and uh, come next year they got to make it even harder for us, you know. Yes, sir. Well, that was fun. That wraps up our two part series of All Star selections. We'll have the real votes in on Saturday. I think we'll probably hear what the rosters will be um the the starters are announced on january 27th the reserves are announced on february 3rd and then it looks like the draft itself will be on february 10th so we're quickly approaching uh the all-star event and you know we've been talking about all-stars this week but we got to talk next week real quick about the mavs and the heat i hope we don't miss the moment here man because they've been absolutely raging they've been coming back from from a quiet start to the year and can't wait to talk about it can't wait to get back on some nba action and as always man it's good talking about with you been a pleasure as always enjoy enjoy nba basketball my friends peace Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.